You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Thursday, 16 November. The U.S. Senate has just approved temporary funding to avert a government shutdown. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb office in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, Mia Krikla. I want to touch on those multi-choice results. Lots of moving parts, massive loss. I mean, the, the sports is big, uh, but I don't know. I suppose they've got to get their, their streaming working. We'll get her sense. It is trading at all-time lows. Uh, Eddie Fivers from uh, TWK, uh, a tough six months. Uh, the year results, but that second half was really, really tough. And then uh, Eric Merlo, we're talking to him around digital aspects of wealth management, the role in the new generation as they come through. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines, MoneyWeb, SA to have 500 public charging stations by year-end for EVs, with Mercedes-Benz adding a further 127. Business Day, Standard Charter admits fault as appears uh, challenge Forex case. They paid a very modest 42 million rand fine. Morning markets, U.S. was green, S&P up 0.2%, Nasdaq up 0.03%. Over in the east, it's red, Sydney of 06 and Tokyo down 0.7%. Commodities mixed, uh, gold 1,963, Brent 80.57, PGMs are green at platinum 8.97, palladium 1,032. Rand 18.26, Bitcoin 27,500, 10 cent down 0.1 of a percent in Hong Kong. And top 40 opening call, about 500 points to the red, that is three quarters of a percent down. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Uh, Chatting now with Mia Krekler from Kruger International. Mia, always appreciate the early morning. The multi-choice results, I said in the intro there, I mean, since being unbundled from uh, uh, NASPAS, the stock is trading at the all-time lows, which 67.50 yesterday. Results, a tough set of numbers. They're in a tough space. They've still got sport, which is huge. Uh, the, the, the sort of traditional DSTV under some pressure. And then Showmax still to come through. I mean, is there opportunity here or is that just for the brave or perhaps the the foolhardy morning simon yes i think sort of just a disclosure to start off with is that the whole south african market on the jse has really become a a consideration of whether it is an opportunity or whether there will be more buyers in in future so when we look at the valuation solely of this company and what the numbers told us it does look attractive because it is is trading at a very cheap valuation if you just consider the dividend that they announced now of two and a half percent and we hope that they would probably do that again at the end of the year to bring them Mm -hmm. sort of back to where they were when they were paying dividends Uh, then you can expect a dividend yield of over seven percent at the current uh, current price which is very attractive even when you can compare that to what interest rates are giving you today because you still have of course the upside of possible Mm -hmm. growth over time but when I looked at the numbers and I delved a little deeper, I did see some some sort of uh, green shoots there. The fact that revenue was still growing at over 4% on an organic basis. They did have many headwinds. We know of that. Uh, the South African sort of uh, base 
there's only 40% of the subscribers really, where the rest of Africa is where mm. they're seeing the growth. And that part of the business grew. The South African business uh, numbers-wise declined by 2%, but part of that 2% uh, subscribers that they did lose was uh, was uh, a lot of the people that weren't paying for the for the services. So they did remove some <laughs> of their, their non-payers, which is a good thing in a business sense. And as I said, 60% of the business, which is really coming from Africa, has grown by 1%. Uh, to over 13 million subscribers. Now, there's a lot of competition in this market. These days, it's so easy to subscribe to any other pay mm. TV, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Apple Pay or Apple TV or, or Amazon for that matter. But the fact is they've also, they also have a partner in their Showmax business, which is a strong partner from the U.S. and NBC, which are, Comcast, which owns 30% of, of Showmax. And they actually carry 30% of the investment into Showmax. They're bringing Showmax, relaunching Showmax later in the year onto a new platform that I, suppose, I suppose will be more stable than the one they've been on to now. And, uh, and that's really not costing them them the biggest amount of money. I, I would have expected more. They say it's, it's costing them about 700 million to the whole investment into this new uh, platform for Showmax, which, you know, considering that they've got the big brother partner as well, yeah. really helps uh, coming to the party. But on a, on a, on a, looking at from a, at a different level, you know, the, the free cash flow declined by 40%, which shows you that there is pressure on the South African business indeed. Um, they, and of course, as I said, that was also the effect of the, the investment into, into the platform. But the headline earnings declined by 5%, and they've had a quite a big uh, sort of problem with the Naira that is now free-floating. And mm. they have a, quite a substantial business in Nigeria. It's the same thing we saw from MTN. Yeah. Uh, we, once the, uh, the Naira um, devalued substantially over this period, since they've become free float, it's become more difficult for them to do that uh, cash translation out of Nigeria to South Africa. So a lot of challenges doing business in Africa, we know that. But overall, I think this is a well-managed business. It's a stable set of results and people will watch sports in South Africa. It's very unlikely that, uh, that any other company will be taking away the rights for sports viewing in South Africa from, from multi-sports, multi-choice anytime soon. So I still, I still do think that there will be a loyal base of, of people in South Africa and in Africa for that matter who want to watch these uh, sporting events and will be paying for the subscription. I, I take your point on that, and, and particularly that yield. And yes, it might not be a cash yield, but you have got that opportunity there. And of course, if they get Showmax right, then they become one of the big streaming, and uh, NBC Peacock certainly know how to do it. We'll leave that there. Mia Kruger International, always appreciate the early morning. And that is our poll on LinkedIn and X. Do you subscribe to DSTV? So I signed up for the Rugby World Cup, uh, and then my two months was over, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. Uh, but perhaps you are signing up for it. Perhaps you show Max only. Perhaps there's others that you are. Are preferring. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and X. Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. When you invest in Stanlib's infrastructure investment fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanley Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money.
Chatting with Eddie Fivers, CFO at TWK Investments. Results year-end, August revenue up 4.6%, a dividend at 115 cents. Headline earnings off 37.3%. Eddie, appreciate the time. A year of two halves. We would have chatted six months ago, and it wasn't half as tough as the second half seems to have suggested. A lot moving against you. Yeah, Simon, definitely a year of halves. The first half was driven by strong demand from our timber segment. Our exports increased quite substantially with almost 8%, even though there was no sales to our China markets. But um, unfortunately, headwinds from our fertilizer business due to serious constraints and challenges in that market specifically, really because of prices of fertilizer continuously um, declining and always out of the market with the prices. Volumes down in the fertilizer segment as well. So it really was problematic and the big drive for the decrease in revenues. You also, in the, in the Constantia fertilizer, there were supply chain challenges, there was volatility in inputs, nitrogen, phosphate, and the like. Challenges all around. You say sales are down. Is that farmers planting less? Is that farmers trying to time when they purchase their fertilizer to avoid some of that volatility? Yes, definitely try to avoid some of the volatility. And um, the farmers, rightfully so, waited for the right time to buy their fertilizer because they were of the opinion that the prices will decrease further Mm. and they waited for the right time and um, i also think that we've lost some market share because there were certain times that we was just not able to sell um, at that substantial losses but we are ready and um, already gained some of that market share back. Okay. You mentioned timber. Timber had locally seemingly a good period. You said Europe was more difficult there. And that would be, I mean, the European economy, if we look at, for example, the US is strong, but Europe economy is struggling. There's the, the war in Ukraine, of course, and that's just creating headwinds for your European exports. Yeah, it was quite disappointing. We were ready for exports to Europe. That market was initially quite strong. And all indications were there that we will be able to um, export initially due to the Russia-Ukraine mm-hmm. war. Unfortunately, due to the economic declines, that didn't materialize. But at least our strong Japan market took some of that product that really helped a lot. And we see currently also um, a big demand from Japan because of decline um, supply from the chili markets that really supported our growth and sales and also for the year coming. The China story, and again, you say they were delayed and cancelled orders of wood chips to China in in the second half. Is that a, a China story? Are they sourcing elsewhere? Or is that China just, again, sort of struggling along, particularly in the housing space in China? Well, it could be a combination of mm-hmm. both, but um, especially it was more uh, because of the economic uh, declines and constraints in China specifically. How much of timber is actually sold locally versus potentially for export at the moment? So our total sales of timber is around about 1.5 million tons. That's total. Mm-hmm. And exports is around about 680,000 tons. And that was the 2023 um, year. We expect export volumes to increase dramatically, more to 800 plus thousand tons in the new year. 
it really depends on year on year, mm. but it can be as high as more than, yeah, as 50% more or less, yeah. Okay. Financial services, relatively small in your life, but had a, a really good year. And this is, as I understand, it's mostly insurance, medical insurance as well, which again is small, but doing well. Yeah, financial services is one of the segments that we really focus on. It's uh, one of our business operations that we really understand. We've got all the knowledge there. We've got systems in place to grow that business. It, um, like I said, it is a focus. The growth came from uh, new acquisitions that we've done the last um, couple of years. Mm-hmm. Currently also look at new um, acquisitions. There's quite a pipeline um, and that really supports our growth there. And that's especially in the insurance side on the the rest of the, the business, the credit um, side, also growth. Um, we've got a, the backing from our banks. They support us. And with that, we are able to extend credit to our producers and um, thereby also grow that business with good credit. So focus, and um, we definitely going to grow that as well during the next year. Is the insurance sort of general short-term insurance, or is it more bespoke for your client base? There is a combination we spoke for, and we try to be um, uh, specific for certain needs, mm-hmm. but it's more more general short-term insurance, crop insurance, and the, the normal general insurance as well. We leave it there. 85, a CFO, TWK, results year-end August. Appreciate the time today. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns returning the favor and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, investing in the Stanlip Kanisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlip.com forward slash more. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Eric Mello. He's Wealth Manager Specialist for APAC MEA at Temenos. Eric, appreciate the time today. The pandemic, which we've moved out of pretty much, but it really at the time shook up the wealth management industry in a bunch of ways. And some of that kind of stayed and actually boomed to the industry and benefiting the clients. So what we saw, even pre-pandemic, we'd already seen a lot of banks and wealth managers look to improve their operational efficiency, investing quite heavily in channels, technologies, so remote delivery of services, really just to reduce their overheads, right? If you think about wealth Mm. managers, one of their biggest costs will always be the advisors, the relationship managers. So a lot of investment being made in trying to automate parts of that advisory process or pushing some of those services into self-service channels, asking the customers to fill out online risk tolerance questionnaires or onboard themselves and open accounts. So I think the pandemic really accelerated that. But what we've continued to see now post-pandemic is a lot of the customers actually prefer to engage with their financial institutions in that kind of slightly more hands-off or remote way. So yeah, definitely some of that's going to stick. Yeah, I take the point. I mean, it's almost like a real-world test of digitization. And as you say, it's worked. People have liked it. And some other trends that we've picked up, I mean, one of them in a recent note that you put out is hyper-personalization. And I found this quite interesting. And it really is taking it down to the absolute individual as a wealth manager rather than sort of broad strokes. And I imagine that fintech really helps with this. Absolutely. I mean, the challenge that, again, wealth managers have always had is the cost of providing uh, bespoke 
investment recommendations has always been very, very high because mm-hmm. they are by their nature very, very bespoke. But you can't always apply a broad brush approach to making an investment recommendation for a customer. It needs to be highly personalized. And of course, that is quite expensive. But a lot of wealth managers are now really starting to wake up to the power of the data, especially wealth managers that operate as part of a larger bank. They're waking up to understand the power of the data that they actually have. And the challenge that they have is a lot of that data sits in silos across multiple different systems, but the smart ones that have been able to collate everything, pull it together and put it into a more structured format are now able to leverage analytics tools, AI, machine learning, and actually scour that data to start producing these very, very highly personalized recommendations that they already know are much more likely to appeal to certain customers. So just to give you a couple of examples, right, let's say, for example, that a customer was to approach your organization and tell you that he's specifically interested in a certain asset because he's read about it somewhere in the news or a friend has told him about it. It does something that he likes. The bank that now has you know, access to a treasure trove of existing customer data should, in theory, be able to look up all of its existing customers that very closely match that single customer's selection criteria. So are they the same age, the same sex? They live in the same town. They work in a similar industry. They earn the same amount of money. Statistically speaking, it should appeal to that group of customers as well. So being able to pull up that subset of customers at the push of a button so that you can now market that same asset to other people that you're slightly more confident will also be interested in is going to save a lot of time and money in in trying to produce these investment recommendations. I take your point. And the other big thing has been mobility. And mobility has always been around, but it seems perhaps it's happening more, but also it's intergenerational these days. I had a guest earlier in the week talking around managing that intergenerational when parts of the family are quite possibly in different parts of the world, different legislation. And again, fintech is ideally placed for this in terms of understanding what the different requirements are and the different legislative issues. This is going to be a challenge that the wealth industry as a whole is going to need to learn to embrace over the next sort of 15 to 20 years because, Mm. you know, right now, obviously, we're on the cusp of generational wealth transfer, the biggest migration of wealth in human history. So the baby boomers, those people that were born after 1946, are about to leave something like $84 trillion to their millennial (laughs) offspring. And of course, these millennial offspring are a lot more globally mobile than their parents used to be, right? There's no longer a job for life. They're more likely to travel abroad, to live and work overseas across multiple jurisdictions. So managing those assets is going to become a lot more complex. And it's likely that they're going to require access to geographically specific advisors that can talk to them about tax and inheritance planning and help them to put in place strategies to manage that wealth as they go forward. Does this bring more ESG to the fore? And maybe this is an ignorant question, but I'm thinking that the millennials are probably much more concerned around ESG than perhaps the baby boomers. Absolutely. So ESG for me, I find personally quite interesting because I look after our wealth business across such a large geography, Middle East and Africa and the whole of Asia Pacific. Mm. I go to some regions where it's front and center of everything that they're trying to do at the moment. And there's a huge amount of interest. I go to other regions where it gets that best lip service. And sometimes I get laughed out of the room altogether. People are just not interested. So it really depends on the evolution of the wealth industry within that particular territory. But I always remind people that it's coming, right? And 
again, if you think back to the pandemic, if you look at some of the advances that we've made in areas such as LGBTQ rights and the Me Too movement and the Black Lives Matter movement, it's a given, right, that these agendas are being driven by much younger people. They're more socially conscious, they're more socially aware. And when they're set to inherit this wealth, I personally feel that how that money is invested and where that money is invested is going to be of equal importance as the performance. So the companies that don't already have a robust ESG framework in place or are not starting to think that it is something that they might require quite soon could definitely get left behind. Yeah, I take your point. ESG is coming. It might not be in some places yet, but it is most certainly coming. We'll leave it there. Yeah, some places it's coming faster than others, but it's definitely coming. Eric Miller, Wealth Manager Specialist, APAC MEA at Timonis. Really appreciate the time today. That's it for today. Yesterday we were chatting with uh, Teresa Wenger, she of Momentum Investor. We were talking around money guilt. What is it? How to deal with it? We asked if you had money guilt issues. Almost half said a little bit, but you're managing fine. A third of you said, nope, all good. The rest said, yeah, and it is hard. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and X. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobochle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. Life Healthcare Results. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.